Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and this is the podcast about doing your own thing, whether it's building a personal brand, maximizing your side hustle, or making the most of your every day. No one else is ever going to be in the business of you. You always have to have that mindset. I am in the business of me. They are in the business of them. Hey, everybody. Today's show is all about putting yourselves in rooms that you never thought you'd be in or you never thought you could get in and how to take no's and instantly turn them into yeses if you need them to or how to process those no's. I'm joined by Liliana Vasquez, dear friend of mine, who is a television personality and the founder of the LV Guide. And this is one of the most insightful conversations we've had yet on the podcast. Trust me, I've got a page of notes here. You're going to love this episode with Liliana. Let's get it started. Liliana Vasquez, we are reunited. Finally, took forever. I know. We did get an in-person moment when I was in LA over the spring, but I'm seeing you on a screen again, which is how I've been seeing you a lot for the last couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do things on TV and then the pandemic hit and then we did things on our phones and now we've evolved. We're doing things on our computers and I'm so excited (laughs) for this podcast. It's brilliant. I, 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 this is so needed. And I say that because the last thing anyone needs is another podcast, but they needed this podcast. Thank you. That means a lot. You know, I, I, you were on my old podcast, which Mm -hmm. was a lot of what the current podcast landscape looks like. Just people talking about fun things. And I had more to say and have built a lot of things and know a lot of people like you that have built a lot of things. And I wanted to get them all together. So I'm glad you like it because I feel like more than ever, people look to maybe someone like you or like a me or like someone else they follow. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't want to work in insurance. I want to do X. How do I pivot? Um, And so for today's episode, in looking at all the topics I wanted to discuss, one of them is we've talked a lot about building and doing and doing with all these guests, but a big part of that is getting in rooms you didn't think you'd be in, breaking down walls, taking no's, making yeses. And I was like, there's no one better to talk to than Liliana Vasquez. There's no one that's been told no more. No, there's no one more like you that is a doorbuster. You are like, you don't take no for an answer. You, there's not an opportunity, you build the opportunity. So I wanted to have you on today. And before we get into all that stuff, for those of, I I can't imagine there's anyone left on the earth that doesn't know that we're friends or doesn't know your story who's (laughs) listening, but give everybody a glimpse at who you are and what you do and maybe a little bit about your new gorgeous baby. Oh, anytime. I'm happy to talk about it. I, I don't know if you can tell, but on my intro, it says Liliana Vasquez. It says slash Santi's mom. I'm dying. I saw that on your little like Zoom thing. It's genius. <laughs> on my Zoom, just in case. Um, so I am Liliana Vasquez and um, I've spent the bulk of the last, I would say, decade um, building a career on television. Um, Most people know me because they found me on my blog eons and eons ago when people thought having a blog meant you had a disease. Um, It was called (laughs) The Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. It's also the name of my book right here. I love it. And, you know, I turned a very small niche blog about budget fashion into ultimately a career on television at what I think are some of the best brands on TV. We're talking NBC, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, E! News. Um, And, you know, kind of to echo what you said, that did not happen easily. It it took 12 years to do that. Um, And now I consider myself 
more of a storyteller than than anything else, um, whether that's happening in front of the camera, which I think is how most people know me. Um, and then most recently happening really behind the camera as I built and launched my own production company. So I do all of the things that involve telling stories that people maybe don't get to hear otherwise in a really compelling, fun, innovative way, whether that happens um in a more traditional format like television, whether it happens in, you know, a new age media kind of format, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, um, the, the, the metaverse. Um, but yeah, I would say storyteller is probably the title that suits me best at this phase in my life. And then of course, Santiago's mom, I just had a baby. Um, it'll be a year in July. I can't believe it's been a year. I know it's crazy. It happened so fast and it took me so long to get pregnant. And now I'm like, stop growing, like go back. Um, right. but yeah, he'll be, he'll be one in July. Um, and I can't wait. It's been, it's been honestly the wildest 10 months of my life. And I've had some pretty wild months um, yeah. in my lifetime. Well, it's been nice because I feel like as a friend and as a loyal follower, I've got to see the peaks and valleys of that last 10 months and everything you've gone through. By the way, speaking of storytelling at the intersection of baby world, I saw the piece on CBS morning on the morning show. Was that your new pivot there in storytelling and production? Because I felt it was like all you. It's not like yeah. some producer came into the room and was like, hi, tell us this thing. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that I discovered while I was on maternity leave was how much I missed writing mm-hmm. um, and how short form storytelling, while it's great for social media and it's great for a role that I had at E! News and at the Today Show, um, I'm a storyteller and I need words to do that. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about the platforms that allowed me to really express myself in a longer format, Um, CBS mornings is something that I've watched my entire life. I watched it growing up and we watch Sunday morning. That is like a tradition in our home. And, you know, the way they're able to capture the spirit of a story and just engage the viewer that makes you feel like you're a fly on a wall in a room is I think the pinnacle of storytelling. And so, um, I had been sharing this idea of doing a personal essay about my story because I don't know that anybody could really tell my infertility story better than me. And it took me a long time to say that because there's so many incredible journalists and reporters out there. Um, But I kind of planted that seed with a friend at CBS and she was like, you're a hundred percent right. Like we believe that people are in charge of their own story here. And if you want to write an essay and read it to camera, we would love to have you do it. And so it took a long time to kind of come to fruition. But ultimately, I ended up reading a personal essay. um, And the people that have done these are like just these incredible artists and writers and talents. And to be asked and to be in that company was one of the highlights of my career. And then I got to sit there with Gail King. I was dying with Gail. I was like, this is so epic. It was it was epic. And I've done some pretty epic things. Preston, you and I have done some epic things in our career, but there is something really different about telling your story at that level yep. and yep. not telling somebody else's story. Well, it's funny you mentioned. Um, so I was glued to it. Like I didn't know you or didn't know your story about having your baby uh, because I got such a long form version of it. Like we have talked in snippets or I'll catch your Instagram stories and you'll, you'll go into it a bit, but it's just so different hearing it like 
in long form from an essay form. So I really loved it. I just, Thank it was, you. and I could tell, I was like, this is a new chapter for her personal brand. There's some, there is longer form here. There's a narrative, there's some production stuff going on. Before we get to how you, where you are now, how did you, what was the first thing that happened to you after the blog? Like, what's the first room you put yourself in or the first opportunity that you were like, I need to make happen because I have this blog that exists and now it needs to become A. Um, the first, the first room that I put myself in where I really felt myself literally grow like inside, like I felt the growth happening in the moment, which it's, it's, you've got to be really still to feel that was, um, I had started my blog and I had done a segment on Philadelphia, ABC seven. Um, we had done a, how to recreate JLo's look for less, obviously, oh cause I'm the queen of look for I'm less. I'm still such a fan of my ABC Philadelphia. That's who I grew up with. Rick Williams, Cecily Tynan, Jim Gardner, Jim Gardner. I mean, that was my, that's my whole time. I know. I know. Yeah. We connect on this because I was <laughs> yeah. living fully at the time. And, um, so I had done one segment and I thought, wow, like this is a better way to reach more people. Like, why am I not doing more of this? And by the way, Mm. to be full disclosure, I come from a radio background. So it's not like this was the first time I had ever done something. I come from radio, which is if you can write for radio and you can do a show on radio, TV is a piece of cake because you have on radio, you have no tools. You have your voice and your writing and that is it. You have no images. So um, I... Ended up hearing from a producer at NBC 10 in Philadelphia who had seen the piece on ABC 7, their biggest competitor. And she also got hooked on the blog and said, listen, I've been following you for months. I think your blog is great. Um, NBC 10 is launching NBC Philadelphia, which will be more of a lifestyle destination. We'd love to tap you to write and contribute for the blog. And I said, great. That's what I've been doing. Love it. And she said, but I'd love to meet you in person. I said, perfect. I'll come back. So I got in the car and I drove to Balakinwood, which is where NBC 10 yes. was formerly. Um, and her name was Karen. And Karen and I shot the shit. We totally vibed, got along. And I had also sent her a reel of work that I had done um, on radio and on TV so she could see me. And when I came into the office, she's like, listen, I think you're great for this blogging thing, but I had no idea that you were so talented and so capable on TV. Like I got a snippet of you on this segment, but like, you can actually do this. And in my head, I went, well, can I? And then I thought, I'm in channel 10 right now. I am in the TV station. So what am I going to say? No, I can't. I was like, actually, yes, I can. And she says, do you have an extra 10 minutes to meet with our news director? I just feel like he would totally get you. And I said, no, I I, totally, I can stay. She goes, let me go check with his, his, um, assistant. So I sat in that room and I said, Liliana, you are never going to be seated in front of a news director again like this, right? Like she just gave you a job here to write and it was just a freelancing thing. And she said, but now you're going to meet with him. So whatever he says, whatever he asks, you say yes and you figure it out later. And I thought, okay. So I composed myself and then she marched me into Chris Blackman's office. He's my TV angel. He's the first person that really believed in me on television And he watched the piece that I had done on ABC seven before I had walked into the room because Karen showed it to him on the computer. And he was like, are you interested in television? I said, interested. It's what I want to do. 
And he said, and could you do something under like the Cheap Chica brand? Because I think it's genius. I think it's catchy. It's cool. We don't have anything like that here. We're a hard news station, but I think we're begging for lifestyle content. And I said, can I? You can take the name and we can run a whole segment. I'll do things weekly, every month, whatever you need. Your executive hat went right on. You're like, how about you take the brand? (laughs) I could hear this going down. I'm like, I have the graphics already built. I can literally send it to you in a Dropbox. You can pump that shit right on television and just put me in front of a camera. And he was like, can you write? I said, absolutely. I come from radio. And the second you tell someone that you wrote for radio, they're like, okay, cool. You're great on TV. And then he was like, cool. He was like, can you shoot? I was like, absolutely. I couldn't shoot. Had never held a camera to myself before. He's like, can you edit? And as I was about to say, yes. I was like, wait, no, I can't do that. (laughs) I actually do you know what Enneagram type you are by any chance? That personality test? I don't know, but I'm actually curious and I might look it up. I'll after. send you a link after. Send I think you might, I think you might be a, a, have a little three in you, which is really? what I am. Okay. Yeah. You're a it's a, a, a lot of threes um, figure out how to do shit after they've told someone they're going to do it. Hi. Um, <laughs> because there's not an option to yeah. say no well, or the, not an it, option to fail. Right. To fail. You know? Right. And yeah, oh God, that's funny. And I'll so send Chris the said to me, I'm launching a consumer show in two weeks, and I would love to have you contribute every week to that set wow. to that segment. And I said, I would love to. So I walked in with the job to work as a contributor writing articles for the NBC Philadelphia blog, and I walked out a consumer reporter for the number four market in the country. That's a really interesting, this whole thing is a really interesting about being in rooms. So you got asked to be in the room, right? You didn't have to knock the door down. But what you did when you were in the room is that you on the spot decided to make the room be what you needed it to be, right? You, what, what, what kind of tips can you give to people that find themselves in that same situation? Maybe they go into their boss's office to talk Mm -hmm. about one thing, but that might be the chance to leave with something else. Well, I think like, you know, expansion begets expansion, right? So we hear a lot about like shrinking, right? And especially as women, you know, sometimes we think we're too loud, we're too much. So we're kind of conditioned and we do it a lot to ourselves. We kind of shrink back, right? We get Mm. nervous, we get smaller. Um, You know, I can think of examples where I've worn clothes that maybe aren't exactly me because I didn't want to take up too much space in the room. And so I think it's really, really important to expand in the room yourself. And that doesn't mean that you have to be egotistical. It doesn't mean that you have to be a narcissist. It means that you really have to own what makes you uniquely you and the skill set that you have worked so hard to attain. And Mm. don't be shy about those things. So share those things. Even if the question isn't asked of you, be a politician in that moment. Answer their question and spin it back to get out the information that you want them to know about you. So that's number one. So expand yourself. I just wrote that down. Be a politician in that moment. That's such a really valid way to look at it because you are campaigning for you 100%. and for your success. Yes, in any room and nobody in. else in that room, unless it's a room that you know very well, and even if you know it well, no one else is ever going to be in the business of you. You always have to have that mindset. I am in the business of me. They are in the business of them. And they are never going to be in the full-time business of you. And you need to know that and own it because at so many stages of my life, I have not been in the business of me. I've been in the business of somebody else Mm. and it doesn't ever serve you long-term. So expand yourself in that room. And then number two is expand the opportunity. 
Okay. Sure. He was just taking like a general meeting with me to say hello. But at the same time, I would be great on air. I knew I would be great on air. I knew that I had done a segment for their competitor. So they were already watching me. They wouldn't have called me in if they didn't think I was great. And I can Mm -hmm. tell you this, like Chris would have never invited me into his office if he hadn't watched that piece and seen something about me that he liked. I just needed that one little nugget of confidence and that little vote to say, you like me. I'm in this office because you see there's value in me, whether it's because I'm Latinx, whether it's because I'm bilingual, whether it's because I'm a good writer, whether it's because I know how to find budget fashion better than anybody in Philadelphia. It doesn't matter. I already knew he was giving me a vote of confidence. And so I took that and said, okay, here's all the things that I can do for you. What else do you have for me? Don't be afraid to ask what else it's, it's so hard to do it in the moment don't stop the opportunity. It's like, why are you going to jump in front of a moving train? Like get yep. out of the way and let the train move and like jump 100%. off. There's a lot of this and it's so weird thinking about it because you and I have intersected each other professionally um, in a weird sales capacity, whether it's mm-hmm. selling products on Amazon or promoting something on Instagram live. So I do believe in my heart, there's a little like inner salesman in me. I do think yeah. there is in you, but in that moment, you are, you have to channel that to sell you to somebody else. Have you always been like that? No, no, definitely not. And, you know, I was, I guess, I, how old was I? I must have, I was in my thirties back then. And I do think that that skill, because it's, it's like a muscle, right? That you have to flex a lot yeah. because it's uncomfortable sometimes. It totally is. And sometimes it even feels kind of icky. Um, and that's because I also think like, especially as a woman and especially as a Latinx first generation woman, it's like, you just want to be like head down and humble. And that gets you places. It does. It's important, but it doesn't get you as far as you need to go. Or what? it doesn't achieve the, 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 the ultimate dream that's in there that you're like, God damn it. I made it to this next rung on the ladder, but I need to be two more up. And I know I could have just asked to be on that one. Yes. And that's the thing. So no, it's definitely a muscle that I flexed. I mean, I think my first real lesson in that um, came a little bit later than that experience. It came a couple years later. I was um, working at New York Live at the time. Um, I had made the transition from NBC Philadelphia to NBC New York, which in itself was a huge jump. You go from the number four market to the number one market. And I watch New York Live like every day still, by the way. I mean, I I Joelle and every Sarah and I just like now everybody. I know it's it's like it feels like home when I watch it. Right. Like it feels like nothing has changed. It's like, oh, this is my happy place. Totally. Um, And somebody had uh, one of our hosts was out. And so a reporter that had started after me was asked to um, sit at the desk and fill in. And I was like, wait, this person started after me. Why am I not being asked to to, why wasn't I asked? Why, Why not? And so I marched myself into the EP's office and I said, I'm so upset right now. I can't believe that you asked her to sit at that anchor desk over me. I've been here a year and a half longer. She looked me dead in the eye and she said, have you ever asked me or have you ever told me that you wanted to sit in that chair? And I said, oh, (laughs) fuck, no, no, I had closed mouths don't get fed. Exactly. And she said, no one in this industry will ever give you something that you do not demand, not ask for demand. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, uh, the only person that I can be mad at right now is myself. And who are you to assume that lady man X is like, you know what? 
I think Liliana wants this. No one's thinking. No one is, like no. you said, in the business of you full-time. Nobody's in the business of you full-time. They've got other things going on. And, you know, there's people that are asking. And guess who's yeah. getting the opportunities? The people that are asking. And totally. listen, there are examples when opportunities just fall in your lap. And those feel amazing, especially when you've been working so hard. But I think like you, Preston, most of the opportunities that have really been meaningful and have been impactful in my career and moving me forward have been the opportunities that I've had to ask for myself and 100%. thought I'm worthy of these opportunities, right? It's like, sure, you can not ask and it makes you feel like, oh, maybe I don't deserve it. They're not thinking of me, but you just have to keep asking. I still find myself telling really close friends of mine, like when we're just shooting the shit or, or doing an advice session, you know, the old phrase of like, what's the worst they're going to say? No. And I'm like, I, I cause I, I've gotten like you, I'm so past that. I'm just, I, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put myself there. I'm going to ask to be in the room, but so many people are still scared of that rejection moment, how do you get over that fear of hearing a no? Because when I tell people the worst they could say is no, and they're like, well, I don't, that's the scary part. I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? Well, I think that first of all, I, I, the first thing that I really had to learn to do, and this came with a lot of therapy is that saying no to an opportunity that I present has nothing to do with, with me, especially in our business, right? It's, it, it is, a little about you, but it's usually not all about you. And I think when we hear no, we internalize that as they're shutting me down. They're telling Mm -hmm. me I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. Right. I I don't have. And they've never said any of those things actually to you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I think what you have to do is is learn to depersonalize a no or a pass. Mm -hmm. And also look at it as, okay, no means no right now. It doesn't mean no forever. And I think mm. if you think of it that way, it does help make it a little bit, I don't know, less bitter as it's coming out of somebody's mouth. Yeah. Um, but it's hard and it takes a lot of practice. And luckily, like I said, I'm in the practice of being told no. Me too. All I mean, the time. I, I'm very, looking back at it now, like, you know, 40 years you know, I'm an old man now. I am really appreciative of the nose because it really shaped where I am now. And I know that sounds so dumb in storybook, but it's like, thank no. God that horrible Project X said no to me because I wouldn't be doing Project Y today, which is so much better. It's so much better. And, you know, in that, and it does, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's yeah. like at 42, I can look back at some of the opportunities that I lost at 30 and 32 and 35 and say- yep okay, it wasn't the end of my life. Like I remember one door being closed. I'll, I'll share what it is because it goes back to Philly. But um, I had auditioned to be a host at QVC. Liliana, stop. On my notepad, I said, ask her about QVC. Because you know, my parents worked there. Growing up, my parents did I know answered that? phones at QVC because I, I lived near the QVC. Call yes. And my family and my mom and my parents and, and we, I would go to QVC when I was a kid kid. And I, that's where all these people, when they see me like selling things on TV, like on access, or whatever, they're like, it's because you were literally born too close to QVC. It's like physically in the chip inside. It's in the water. Room. It's in the yeah. water. There. I thought I was going to work there forever. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I auditioned and I got all the way to the end. Um, I was the youngest out of the three that made it to the very end. And ultimately, obviously, you guys know I didn't get the QC job. Here I am. <laughs> right. But I remember hearing that no, and I was about to get in an elevator and I broke down into tears, like te- like Oprah ugly cry, because yeah. this was going to be the end of my life as 
an on-air talent. QVC said no, and I would never have a career oh beyond God, it's that. such the opposite. It's like the actual beginning of the rest of your it TV life. It was the beginning of the rest of my life. And yeah. by the way, like it opened up a door that was parallel to that, which allowed me to go train at QVC for two years in what mm. I think is the single best TV training program in the world. And y'all can't tell me any different because if you can go on air and be live for 60 minutes, 120 minutes, selling bags that maybe aren't that cute with yep. no prompter, no cue cards, and nobody else in the studio but you and a host, then you can probably do anything on television. And if I had not had that live training, I would have never advanced at the Today Show the way that I did. I would have never been able to do red carpets live the way that I did. I wouldn't be able to do what I do today if I had not trained at QVC for two years as a guest. Wow. Wow. So funny how that all came full circle for you. How about, um, before God, I see, I knew this. I said at this the top, I could talk to you for an hour and I'm already at my 24 minutes. How about the rooms that you wanted to be in that you had no idea how to get into? What's the way of getting in there without looking desperate, clingy. I feel this way often when I'm like, God, I just need to meet with her. That's who I need to meet with. Right. But like, I don't want to look like an asshole. I don't want to look desperate. I don't want to be stalkery, but any tips on getting in that room for anyone listening? Okay. First of all, you're not a stalker. Like there's nobody's putting out a police report against you and like <laughs> and filing like a restraining order because you're following up on email. I think we, you have to let go of all of that shit because yeah. You always think about the most aggressive, like salesy, like pitch me, pitch me person, you know, okay. If they're at like a 10, you can still be successful at a five. You don't yeah. have to go there, but you've got to release all the negative feelings that you feel about advocating for yourself. Like that is the most important thing that you can do. You have to be like, I am so good. How could they not want to meet me? Maybe she's not, you know, it's like, how many times have you sent an email and they don't write you back? Okay. Well, it could be that they hate me, or it could be that they have a hundred other things going on in their life. Chances are your email isn't doing any harm or damage to somebody. Your phone call, your LinkedIn message, your DM, half the time, you know how many unread DMs I have in my phone? It's nothing personal against the people that sent it to me. I just yep. don't have time to respond right now. So just don't think less of yourself and let go of like the cringy feelings that I'm going to be a stalker. Opportunities that you really want are really fucking hard to get. Like it's like going people to ask me, I took this approach with when I was launching my brand looking for, I didn't want to just call my friends and say, Hey, who makes candles for X company? I'm like, I need to find this person. I have to find money. I have to find production. I need to find packaging. I need to find this. And it took a fuckload of those weird emails that you feel so strange, cold emailing people. And it totally worked. But that's what I love about this convo, about what you're saying, just take the icky part out, is that it works across fields, whether you're looking for investment, you're looking to start a product, you need to advance at work, you yeah. want to be on air. You want to raise. You want to I mean, raise. Asking, like There's nothing harder than asking for money. I think money is the hardest thing that we ask for. People are like, oh, but I'm not starting a company. I'm like, right, but you're asking for a raise, aren't you? You're asking yep. for money. You know, and also understanding that, you know, compensation and I'm going to, I'm going to change the word money and put in compensation because I do yep. think we're living in a world right now 
where there are so many creative ways to ask for comp because what means something to you, like vacation days may mean the world to you, Preston, right? But for me, I want, you know, I I want more comp day to day. It could be that I want, you know, I want my stock to vest sooner than is allowed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you really have to understand how you are compensated in those negotiations and what compensation means the most to you. Um, Because it's just not about getting a 10% raise. Like maybe you want an extra week vacation and that doesn't cost. I want a a day vacation period. (laughs) I want to know what those days are like. I I miss them. (laughs) I do too. Before we wrap up, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand, Preston Conrad Home. I would love for you to come into my world of luxury home fragrance, responsibly made here in America, all for under $50. We cut out the big box middlemen, and we are bringing the finest luxury fragrance right into your home. For you guys listening today on the show, you can take 10% off of any single item on PrestonConradHome.com with the offer code BRANDME. That's PrestonConradHome.com, offer code brand me. What um, memories do you have of kind of launching your personal brand? What's one memory that stands out to you of launching Liliana Vasquez as a personal brand that kind of lives rent-free in your head? Like whether it's a a funny moment, a dramatic moment, or an iconic (laughs) moment. Okay, so I'm going to take it really far back. I'm going to take it back to the Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. The OG, Uh, where it all started. The OG blog, the Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. So I remember I like Googled cheap chica and y'all what came up was like cheap girls because <laughs> oh my god that's what like, it means and it was right. like all like porn and like, like this is it, it was, like, I'm gonna cheap, hang my hat on this yes it was like cheap <laughs> girls triple x and I was like maybe I should reconsider this this brand maybe this is a bad bad brand and I just trusted my gut and I was like you know what maybe they'll find me anyway. Like maybe you never know. But I remember like going on Google and just being like, I shouldn't name my blog, the cheap Chica anything. And I'm That's so amazing. happy that I did. It kind of leads to my, my question. I ask everybody before I let them go is, you know, do you have a moment that you looked at at the time as like a brand failure that turned out to be a brand blessing in growing your personal brand. And that is kind of one there, but um, anything else that jumps out? Yeah, no, these actually marry really nicely and I'm glad you asked. So, you know, I committed to that brand in 2008 when I started my blog and I was 28 years old. I'm 42 years old now. And there was a transition point for me where I really needed to evolve from what that blog was about. I started that in 2008 during the biggest recession of our lifetime. And it was a mindset for me. I'd always been the cheap chica. And by the way, I still am the cheap chica. But we're both as, cheap chicas. As I've evolved, my brand needs to evolve. And yeah. it can be really scary to let go of something that has brought you so much success and that you have a book that's called The Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. Um, but I was losing myself and forcing myself to stay in a brand that was no longer representative of who I was. Mm. And I am the brand. Me, Liliana is the brand. And so it was a really hard transition to let that go and know that that's a part of me, but it's not all of me. Um, And it was really, really hard, but I'm happy that I did it. And of course, now it's one of the best decisions business-wise and personally that I've ever made. And it's a chapter in your life that will always be there and anchor the mother brand 
literally now the mother brand, (laughs) but it will anchor the mother brand. And it's a really meaningful part of the story. And I'm just, every time I talk to you, whether we're having lunch or on a podcast, I'm always inspired by you. Oh, you're you're so sweet. Thank you. And I miss you. I'm going to be in New York. So hopefully we'll get to see each other. Please come. um, Mm -hmm. Please come back to the dirty city. I mean, it is, you know, it's going to be smelly in time for summer for you to come back. So I can't wait to like <laughs> breathe in that like hot, wet garbage. Foul, wet air. Yeah. Oh, I miss it so much. How can everybody find you on, on everything social before I let sure. you go? So, um, LilianaVasquez.com is the home to my website and my blog, which is called the LV guide. And then I am at Liliana Vasquez across all platforms, TikTok, which I don't talk. Or do I tick? What do you, what do you, what do you, I'm going to get you to tick and fucking talk because just so you know, I'm mm-hmm. like a retired Instagrammer and a full-time TikToker. Stop. I'm double my following on TikTok on that I am on Instagram. I know. I can't. I'm trying can't. just really hard since January, February. That's, okay. that's when I started. Maybe that'll be my summer job. It'll be your summer job. You're going to go super dialed in to one niche. You're going to catapult through the roof and it's going to like crack open this whole new world of brand partnerships and everything for your brand. That's just going to like be icing on the cake for your already perfect life. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to need to go to the Preston Conrad school of TikTok. (laughs) I will come over. I can tell you everything. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Lil. Love talking to you and welcome back to the East Coast for God's sakes. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. What a way to kick it off. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at Brand Me Podcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.